everybody. This is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 130, actually. Look at us. Damn. Today we are actually doing, uh, continuing our Francis Ford Coppola corner with a review of the 1981 film One from the Heart, followed by a review of the new uh, Jordan Peele alien horror film Nope. So without further ado, let's jump into our Francis Ford Coppola corner. And nobody can afford to buy three or four thousand extras. It's just not economically feasible anymore because you have to costume them. You have to transport them. You have to feed them. Uh, and it you move very slowly when you're trying to direct a large group of people like that. So doing that today is, is next to impossible. So... We last left off, guys. As you guys, if you're new to the pod, we are uh, reviewing all of Francis Ford Coppola's films, all the way from Dimension 13 all the way to his newest film. We actually, we kind of just left the golden era of Coppola films, I guess you would say, right? So um, I guess you could also say that we are the <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola <laughs> podcast. True. And I mean, the good we, may, and the bad. we may, you know what I think about it? We may be the only movie podcast, regardless of how many people listen that is closest to Francis Ford Coppola, like at anybody. Period. Like that I mean, might be a true one statement. In Napa, in Napa directly. Those fuckers, man. The yeah, Napa pals. Thirty minutes away, guys. <laughs> the Napa pals. Someone's like, actually, <laughs> sir, we are. You son <laughs> of a bitch. They're the film, the film friends. It's like, whoa, hey, the Napa <laughs> film friends. We did it because we're cool with Coppola. I just want to let you know. So um, we just go we and left just off, though, steal their gear, you know. <laughs> It's way better than ours. The Nap- they got that Napa money. Um, so we left off with Apocalypse Now. Uh, it was right after Godfather 2. and So we hit, like, uh, and what we do is basically from the last point forward, we just give you some trivia facts here. So so Apocalypse Now marked the end of the golden phase of Coppola's career. Initially, the film uh, the film here, the one that we're going to be reviewing today, One from the Heart, was intended to be a romantic comedy, but Coppola wanted a more ambitious production. Raising the film's budget from $15 million to $23 million, paying for miniatures and lavish backgrounds. The film was entirely shot on Zoe Trope soundstage, soundstages. Coppola insisted on building sets to add to the artificiality of the proscenium. Set construction included a replica of part of Las Vegas' McCarran International Airport, complete with a jetway and a jet airliner built from the nose section of a crash plane that was used for the penultimate scene. The sets for the film took up all of the soundstage space at Coppola's recently acquired American Zoetrope studio. One from the Heart features an original soundtrack from Crystal Gale and Tom Waits. Waits received an Academy Award nomination for Best Musical Score. Coppola used the opportunity to introduce a more economic method of filmmaking, dubbed the electronic cinema. It involved shooting and editing a visual storyboard on videotape, allowing for reference during the actual shooting on film. Interesting. Gene Kelly was a dance consultant for the sequence involving Terry Garr and Raul Julia. Kelly disagreed with Coppola over the story the dance was meant to portray. Coppola used his own preference for the theatrical release of the film's 2003 restoration depicted Kelly's original idea. Although pioneering the use of video editing techniques that are standard practice in the film industry today ended with a disastrous box office gross of $636,796 against a $26 million budget. And he was forced to sell his 23-anchor uh, Zoetrope studio in 1983, only a couple of years after the film's release. He would spend the rest of the decade working to pay off his debts. So without further ado, let's get into our review of One from the Heart. In The Godfather, 
he explored the violent world of organized crime. In The Godfather Part Two, he examined the soul of power and corruption. In Apocalypse Now, he journeyed into the madness of war. Now, Academy Award winner Francis Ford Coppola and Zoetrope Studios take a very special look at love. One from the heart. It's been five years since my last dream came true. I mean, what was that? The day I met Hank. I wish I had a dollar for Each time I took a chance I really love her. I know that. On all those two bit Romeos Who count us in Roma Maggie, do you believe in true love? Knowing that you fall in love I love you, baby. Mm, I love you. Baby this one's from home. What do you think this means? It means we're splitting, I guess. Okay, so one from the heart, uh, which is from 1981, is sitting at a whopping 50% on Rotten Tomatoes for the uni- for the uninitiated. I can't talk today. I really like to uh, overemphasize the uh, the low Rotten Tomato scores on uh, on these ones. And is actually the only second rotten film in the Coppola series that we've done so far. I think Finian's Rainbow was sitting at 53%. Yeah. The plot for this one goes, The romantic encounters of two separated lovers are played out against the backdrop of the Las Vegas Strip. Pretty straightforward, and uh, it doesn't lie. Again, directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola as we continue our Coppola Corner. Written by Armian Bernstein, who did The Hurricane in 1999, and also Francis Ford Coppola. Again, released in February 12th, 1982. The budget for this one, of course, as we mentioned before, was $26 million, and the box office gross was $636,796. Dollars. That is quite the fucking stinker. Um, man, I think he was in more debt than George Lucas was to him back in the day. So, Oh, I mean, I think George, as soon as he made Star Wars, was like out of debt. Oh, yeah. He was like, here, let me let I you think he paid back him. Frank, Frank always... Oh, shit. He's back. He's back, guys. Frank, <laughs> Frank said, hey, I'll, you let me borrow some money now. Okay? And I said, okay, sure. Here's some Star Wars money. Anyway... <laughs> This one stars Frederick Forrest as Hank, Terry Garr as Franny, uh, the late Raul Julia as Ray, Natasha Kinski as Lila, Lainey Kazan as Maggie, and Harry Dean Stanton, the late Harry Dean Stanton, as Moe. So, again, we like to go over the history we have with the film, if we've seen it before, etc., if it's our first viewing or second or third. I'm going to start with Nabil, because, you know, we always like to start with Nabil. Even though he's giving me the dead eyes right now. He's giving me the serial killer eyes. He really doesn't want me to start with him, but I'm a I am going to start with him anyway. I'm gonna risk. I'm I'm gonna play with my life here. <laughs> yeah, roll the dice with them. Roll the <laughs> dice with them. Wait, what's your history with one from the heart? Ha, have you seen it before? One of my favorite Francis Ford Coppola films. I used to uh, watch this all the time when I was younger, just on uh, AMC on repeat all the time. <laughs> I'm yeah, no, I've never, I've, yeah, I've never <laughs> seen this film. This is the first time I've actually heard of it. 
um, was when we were doing the review for it. Um, so it's definitely a different experience than I, what I was expecting when watching the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but not too far out of what I um, have come to see what Coppola is capable of during his film history. So, so it's still very much in line with, you know, as we've been going to sequence of his films, in line with what his kind of directorial style is. But yeah, it's definitely a, uh, a film I hadn't heard of before. Makes sense. What about you, James? The uh, the film student extraordinaire, have you seen this one before? I, I have not. So th- these are like the films now that we're going to get into where I'm like, I'm kind of excited because... A lot of these ones in the eighties I've not seen outside of the Outsiders for the most part. So hey, it's put like, your shirt okay. back on. <laughs> I just t- twist my nipples. <laughs> uh, no, new. I had never seen it. Um, I never even heard of it either. To tell you the truth, so um, yeah. What about you? Well, I'm a book in this trifecta and say, yeah, I, I've never heard of this movie. It's first time <laughs> ever seeing it. First time hearing of it. Um, which is weird I mean, shit. Seeing the box office result, obviously, a lot of people didn't see it, right? So yeah, yeah this one's I guess, right? This one's been buried over time. Yeah, definitely locked locked away in a dirty vault, never to be seen again. So yeah, it's uh, first time seeing it. Um, you know, just like everyone else here. So Nabil, what did you think of the movie? Well, let me tell you some of the things I um, I think worked well for the movie. <laughs> Okay. Um, I liked I liked the aesthetic. I, I liked the whole soundstage look of it. Yeah, okay. I think that that was very for what he. I, I got what he was trying to do with it. Um, it took me a while to realize that it's more musical or more of a musical than than what I thought it was going to be. I, but once I saw it, I was like, it's <laughs> I was very. Like, I want to uh, a little more, dude. When, yeah. when the beginning part kept having that song keep breaking in, I was like, can they cut it with the fucking song? Well, you know what's funny? The <laughs> oh. score was nominated for an Oscar. It was. Well, you mean with Tom, uh, Tom, with Tom, yeah. Tom Waits? Is just narrating what's going famous. on in the background? Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> Which, by the way, I guess rolls with the plot of the story, I guess. It, you know? it kind of does. Yeah, it, it, so. The music very much is very, uh, a part of the film. And why I, I say it kind of works for it is there are a lot of more popular films today that have, you know, they were actually based off of true musicals, like mm-hmm. like Chicago brought into a movie, right? Yeah. That kind of play in that same way, but obviously do it much better <laughs> in, in in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like this was, I at least from my experience, I don't know of a lot of films in the, especially in the eighties or before that, that that took this kind of approach with a musical, um, and kind of or like a play setting and put it to film like this. And I thought that that was really neat, very innovative, you know, taking into the sense of time that this was being made and what he was doing with it. I actually liked that aesthetic. The sets um, didn't take you out of it then at all? You didn't mind that? At first, it was a bit jarring. I was like, what, what am I getting out of this? Because I didn't know what I was expecting. But as I got into it, it's like, okay, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's done supposed on to look like purpose. This. Yeah. 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 It's done on purpose. So you kind of go with it and like, I'm okay with this now that I realize that this, it, it's all intentional. Um, but, but the plot is is a bit thin you know like there's there's nothing really there as far as a story i don't really care much about the characters like uh, there isn't a lot for me to really hold on to but i liked the idea that he had there i just don't think it was um and i don't know maybe it was his vision or not but i didn't like everything how it came together in this film so it didn't really work for me outside of that the the kind of aesthetic thing that he was trying to work with what about what about you james Uh, what did you think of the movie 
Uh, okay, so I, I agree with Nabil. Like, I got used to the sets after a while, and there's actually some pretty good cinematography at one point. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a scene with these neon lights where uh, Hank is walking and he's kind of like pondering stuff. I was like, "Damn, this shot!" I think yeah. I think he wanted it more to look like that for the most of the movie, and, and but for the most part, the sets took me out of it. But we'll talk about it later. It reminded me of very much of like, like for instance, they did this on purpose, and this was supposed to be like a new style, right? And it was like yeah. it reminds me of George Lucas so fucking much, man. Kind of like like to the max kind of, thing? of no, not even that. American Graffiti shot she was shot in Fremont. Um, that was all set. That was there was I don't think there's any sets for American Graffiti. No. Uh, this reminded me of George Lucas because it's kind of like how George, you know, what what years is eighty one? So yeah, we eighteen years later, George is using like kind of the same concept, which is kind of crazy, right? When he's doing Phantom Menace and shit like that, and he's just like, mm-hmm. we're gonna use sound stages for things. And we're gonna, but obviously his has more technical shit with it, right? Yeah, but yeah, they okay. they both come from. I mean, Zoe Trope is both their companies, right? Or he helped found yeah. it too. So it's like he helped. He helped. Uh, like I wouldn't be shocked if George Lucas helped with this movie at at times, probably. You know, like or had some input. You know, although this is kind of like the movie that um started um Coppola. I read into it too. Like he had a lot of issues with Paramount with this movie, so that's yeah. why this was like a mess. But um. I think it took me out of it sometimes. At times, it works. Like the 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 strip scene looks fine how it is, but it's it's really small. You can tell. Like, um, I think this movie is a result of like how horrific it was to film fucking Apocalypse Now, and yeah. it's it's the sign of like a filmmaker wanting to do a much smaller project. Obviously, yeah. The irony um, is he wanted to do much on a big budget though. Yeah, he wanted to do a much smaller bo- budget, but it ended up ballooning into a twenty six million dollar movie because he was just which so stressed out. As we know from, from all these Coppola films, he seems to go always go over budget, right? Yeah, like all his it's movies seem to like yeah, yeah. which like, him which a makes sense. Check. He's he's almost doing too much, and I agree with uh, Nabil too. The two leads are like fucking terrible people. Like they do yeah. not belong yeah. together, and it's, so it's hard to root for it. But in a way, if it's a if it's a um, if it's like a character, a look into like characters, I guess it's like a slice of life kind of movie, like which makes sense. And like, hey, life isn't perfect. People, wrong people get yeah. together all the time. Obviously, you know. Um, the standout for me was Raul Julia, man. I really like oh, him. Gosh, he, best part yeah. of the film, dude. He, he when, when I set, realized you know. that was him, I was like, mm. M. Bison. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> What's I going on here? Gomez, no, but this, yeah, Gomez, same thing, bro. But when he did the him, fucking scissor kick. While he was dancing, I was like, oh, his, shit. His dance number is really well done, and he easily has the most, like, life to him, I would say. Does that make sense? Like, his character, like, it's just kind of like, Bailey. okay, he's in the middle of some shit, and I get it, but it's like, it's nice seeing Raul Julia in a movie, too, because, you know, as, you know, if you don't know, in the 90s, he got really, really sick, so. Yeah. Um, by then, it was, he's not, he was not the same person he was, especially the 1981, he was full of life, and it's. He's easily the standout for me in this movie, so. Yeah. And I think, too, like, just, just to touch a little bit on Raul Julia, too, just, like, the fact that he brought he, he brought a bit of life into the film, I think, because yeah. with the direction we were kind of going, it's just, like, you, there wasn't a lot of redemption, redeeming qualities for the characters, uh, the main characters, but just as soon as you saw him on screen, like, so much fantastical things were going on. But I was going to just... A segue. Did we watch? Did everybody watch the 2003 restoration version? I'm assuming that's the one that's available online, right? Yeah, that's the version. That's yeah. on online. So and I, I saw, saw it, it was on Apple TV. Yeah, yeah then right. you saw the, Yeah, that's the restoration one. Because I I know that the, that dance scene that we saw him in was different 
and apparently the as we kind of mentioned in the, in the synopsis um from what was originally shot in the theatrical release so i that was a great scene that we saw i think it was a highlight of the film so i wonder how what it was before uh um, i think we it was shortened that. too before from what i heard oh it, it's not even that yeah it's not that long <laughs> of it's an hour and 30 right? minutes long yeah no yeah, pretty short but i, pretty I feel short. like they yeah. i mean i feel like they butchered a lot of his shit but um Kind of crazy. Yeah. Got Gene Kelly to do like the dancing sequence choreography too. That's that Coppola yeah. name and money though. He's like, yeah. I, I gotta say, I, I I agree with some of the things you guys said. I mean, I I thought it was okay. Like, you know, it's not really something you need to watch. I I agree that uh, Nabil that I, I I did. Unless you're following like along with sets. us on the Coppola corner, though, that's the only reason. You're right, doing. exactly. I'm just saying, uh, the, the, the someone's got to be doing it, right? <laughs> you do get used to them. It, it gives it gives it kind of a, a fantastical feel to it. It almost to a point reminded me of a, of a very fucked up version of La La Land to a point where it has this whimsical look to it. Where a little bit, actually. Just just I a agree bit, with you, Marco. Like, the sky too, by the way. You, I'm talking yeah, about that. God, that's. That's the best looking scene, by the way. Yeah, Sorry. you can see the the innovation, like even with the camera angles. There's a, there's a there's a scene where uh, where Franny goes into like the the restaurant, I think, to go see Ray, and it, it zooms into the hole of of the door, and I'm like, oh shit, that's that's very that's actually unique. a good shot too. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really good camera work on here that you could see. Possibly helped inspire like other directors, and I, I know James had mentioned you know George Lucas and to, to name a few, but um, he was like, it, "What did you shoot it through the?" <laughs> it it was very very unique for for what it had. I I I didn't really like the characters either. I was to a point sort of rooting rooting for for Franny, but then some shit happens or they take her agency away, and I'm just like, oh, "You got to be fucking kidding me." Uh, I I had no love for Hank at all. I thought he was a fucking piece of shit the whole time. I was like, God, this guy's fucking insane. And I agree, hundred percent. Uh, fucking Raul Julia was the best part of the movie. Uh, every scene he was in, he was a scene stealer. He brought life to the movie. His performance was just like so fucking amazing. Um, and I almost wish the movie had more of him in it. So I was kind of sad. Uh, I was surprised Natasha Kinski was in this. I only know her from one other movie, and that's Terminal Velocity with fucking Charlie Sheen. Jesus I remember Christ. watching that fucking movie. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> in the 90s, and I had a fat <laughs> crush a on her, time. and I was like, yeah. oh, Yo, my God, it's hell? happening again. I didn't again. realize that. What yeah. the hell? Yep, totally random. It was cool Harry Dean Stanton was in it, though. I was like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, why did he already look like he was fifty something years old in nineteen eighty one? Didn't he know? There was like this guy looked old his entire fucking life, dude. Eighties and nineties, he looked like almost the same age, pretty much. Just one of those looks. It it looks like he never changed. There's hair color down the line. I'm like, what the fuck? So I think we we talked a little bit about what worked and a little bit of what what didn't work for us. But um, Nabil, you were saying the music uh, did work for you to a point, and James, you were saying the music didn't. Let's, I mean, yeah, was it I mean, just the, like, the, was it just the talking? Was that was that was it just yeah? That, that I, was annoying? I didn't like the actual songs or anything. The the score was fine. I mean, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was like Oscar worthy, but somebody did in the eighties. But um. I, I got, you know, it, it moved the plot along. It kind of literally told you what was happening in the scene. Um, but that the the singing itself, I was just like, please, like, can we just, it's fine. You know, show show me more. I don't need to hear it, you know, kind of thing. So 
it was a bit it was a bit much. Did, did you guys going in? Did you guys know it was a technically a musical at all? I did not. No. I, I, I had read that it was like a musical journey. I didn't know it meant like literally a musical or some shit. <laughs> it wasn't in the, the use of music. And when they, when they were dancing in the street, I was like, I guess this is technically a musical. And then there's really only one song that is actually sung by the actors. And that's like Natasha Kingsley's Lila that's, that starts singing Little Blue Boy when uh, Hank takes her up to, uh, um, to view the strip from that hill. Oh, yeah, that's the, the only time yeah. anyone ever sings a song. But... Aside That's from probably that, the I guess most musical moment of the the fucking movie too. By the way, mm-hmm. I agree. yeah, well, she that was all number the kind of dancing scene. The dance sequence too, which is cool, and it's just like yeah. it's so random. Once again, that that gave me like the like you're saying kind of la la vibes of like yeah where it's just random and it's just like is everyone in on this shit i guess and but you just roll with it by that point then that's when i kind of figured the movie out but even by then it's already like an hour in you're like okay there's only 30 more minutes of this thing yeah there's not much of the film left i know we didn't really have much love for the characters you know in this movie except for maybe raw julia but what'd you guys think about the acting like did you think like that was good at least like the way they portrayed their characters uh nabil what did you think you know, I don't think the acting was necessarily bad. I think they were doing what, what they were being told to do. Uh, so, like, in the sense of, like, that's what the script w- called for. I didn't feel like anything was too, like, forced or was, like, subpar acting. I just think what was being... It's just the characters themselves were not very likable. And you didn't really feel for them. You didn't really care what was going on. They hated yeah. each other. They loved each other. I don't. I don't know, but they... One of the moments Franny kind of talks to uh, Ray, uh, Raul Julia's character, and so, you know he's asking her how long it's been since she's been away from her, from Hank, and she's like a day and a half. I'm like, what a piece of shit! They've been <laughs> only arguing for a day and a half, and all this has happened. Like, and you guys have been together for five years. How quickly to move on? Like, like you don't really have a lot of reason to care for them. So I guess if that's what they were trying to sell for me, the acting was pretty stellar you know, for that because yeah. I didn't like him much. I mean, but I, did, we, I didn't think it was like poor acting. Yeah. Opinion. We've, we've all seen couples that just totally should not be together and stuff. And you know, it's not really our business to say, but our opinions, but I felt like that was kind of portrayed, you know, pretty realistically. I don't know. They, yeah. They Regardless have generally, good fights like the fights feel, sound yeah. pretty good the the yeah. acting though to me feels feels very much like a stage play which i mean once again they're kind of going for so yeah i'm right. not shocked yeah. even I mean, uh even even their actions yeah. like when uh, hank is trying to break into the door at one point at uh it's really over the at, top like yeah it's really right. stylized it's like dude <laughs> i think what that's the, the direction they're being doing? given right yeah yeah which makes sense because it's like there are they are on stages though everything's on a stage so it's like this literally is a, a stage production so uh, Pretty much, Marco Which, probably got flashbacks of his fucking theater days, and he was like, "I did, dude. I started, I started tingling. I, started, I was like, my foot started, started tapping. tapping. I was like, oh shit, I don't even know the song, but I know the lyrics. What the fuck? Anyway, <laughs> he looked um, down. Why am I in a t- three piece tux right now? <laughs> all of a sudden, like, oh shit, it's a tearaway too. Uh, <laughs> the w- what did you guys think about the the, narr- the narrative structure, James? Like the way the story was told. Did you like that? How it went from one it point was, of view to it another? It was unique. It was unique. It, it's one of those. Well, once again, I felt like it was like scene one, and then like scene two. Yeah. Uh, Hank shows up at Mo's house and complains about New Year's. You know, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, <laughs> I did like the intercutting of the like, oh, like they can, they kind, Frank and uh, Hank and Franny can kind of 
almost like know what's going on in each other. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. That it's I like thought was actually probably the it. better parts of the film when they do when they did those kind of yeah. in between scenes. But once again, it feels like a play where it's just like that would be a voice in the out uh, the thing, like oh, or like he's you know something like that. But for the most or part, he, it works, you know. Yeah. yeah. Spotlight on him turns yeah. off, you know, fade yeah. to black off to here, the distance and next to a yeah. wall or something. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be shocked if someone has already adapted this into a play or something. Yeah, it feels like it really could be. Honestly, yeah, like, dude, it's pretty much like, hey, look at this. We'll fix up some fucking things and we're like, this is it. This is a story. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think we've gone over pretty much everything we like and don't like. Is there is there anything else that's really sticking out here of, of what worked and what didn't work for you guys, James? Anything that anything else that kind of stuck out the for you? The ending is really abrupt. I don't really understand why the fuck Franny comes back and is like, I fucked up. And it's just dude, <laughs> that, that right there made me not like her. I'm like, oh my god, dude, you were so fucking free. Out of out of both of them, she was the only one that was willing to try to move on. And it doesn't and that seem was like really she... The only... Yeah, it I'm doesn't sorry. seem like she was ever like fully in a hank that much. Yeah, right. She Especially seemed like she wanted to see the most. Yeah, like yeah. she's like, I made out with your friend and New Year's, and I know you slept with the other girl. I'm like, all right, you guys can just kind of part ways. This is cool. Well, they said they were parting ways over the last couple of years. You know, like yeah. they already were. And he did the little redeeming thing at the end where he was singing to her, and she, I was uh, like, man, that doesn't, that doesn't that that make up for freaking kidnapping her from a fucking motel room, though. But is that the yeah. is that the point of it? Is like he's like, hey, if I could he's sing trying. for you, I could. Yeah. Is that? I think that they're trying to make it come across yeah he does take her brother he's just like let's get out of here <laughs> yeah i was like yeah, whoa but- sir that's a felony um yeah i yeah that's the I, part I thought the that ending I, was just kind of know. yeah trashy also um, airport security in 1981 guys remember that <laughs> non-existent i mean shit that was airport security up until like 99 2000 he, he got yeah. right to the plane <laughs> he was ready to board how many people just jumped on planes like uh my ticket's uh, somewhere else <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dude would have gotten tackled way before then. But how does how does this movie compare to the other Coppola films that we've seen so far? Do you, you guys think that Coppola's grown as a filmmaker since we saw him up until this point, or did he take a step back? Nabil, what, what what did you think? It's kind of what I mentioned earlier. Like after seeing the film, and especially since we've kind of seen the progression of his film style, um, it it makes a lot of sense what he's trying to do here. Yeah, I think he has. A vision that he really wants to get on screen, and this doesn't seem too out of too far out of his realm of what he was trying to do. I think maybe with a good enough producer to keep his budget tight, he could have gotten a lot more with a lot less. Um, even though the film was already like only a you know it was a ninety nine minutes, but but you know he was still innovating. He was doing something different with the sound stages. He was yeah. doing you know a very creative shots. Um, with the cinematography, he had great, you know, like from a filmmaker perspective, he had a lot of things working really well. So I don't think it, it lacked in anywhere there. Even I know this is a restoration, but watching it, like the quality of the film was really well done. Like I liked how it looked, the picture quality, the fidelity of it was really, really all still really good. So I don't think it's a step back from a sense of like his directorial style. He, he had a vision and he was putting it on film. I just think that the film wasn't a particularly interesting one to to put on as a story, especially maybe if he could come up with something a little bit more interesting or tighten up the plot a bit more mm-hmm. to, to give it a little bit more. Well, not tighten up, but give it more depth. Maybe could have gotten more out of it, you know. Maybe make a better plot. Uh, what what yeah. about what about you, James? How, how did this compare to some of the other couple of films we've seen? And what do you think? A step forward, step back? It, it, I'm more or less in line with what Nabil said. It, it, 
like you said, very try to be innovative. He's doing stuff like you know, especially the editing process is how they do things nowadays too. And it's like okay, but ahead of his time with it, it just the execution just didn't work for me. So it, it almost feels like some of those innovations and and even some of the camera work is almost wasted on on this poor plot and poor storyline. Like it could have been used yeah. for for something greater. But you know. He should have done, you know, if he was going to draw out the stops and, and spend this kind of money, he should have gone for just a bigger play, like a, a something that's already been there. I know he's trying to do original music and stuff, but just throw something big out there, make it a bigger story. Yeah. And just, but I if you're going to like, go for broke, go for it, you know? Yeah, but he was already in debt big time from Apocalypse Now, and I think he was yeah. trying to do like a smaller movie, but then this even went over budget. And remember, like we've, we've learned through, like, he's always had really bad luck with like getting his movies funded dude yeah so even though he's you know an artistical genius but before we well we think we've gone through almost everything we can talk about this movie because i mean it's really straight to the point and i guess only interesting to a point for some of us it's one from the heart bro yeah, it's one from the heart. <laughs> That's the title Before, of the movie. From his heart. <laughs> he said the title. There it is. Before we go into our rating, are, are there any other thoughts, any other scenes that, that stuck out uh, for, for you guys? James, anything else that stuck out for you? Uh, no, I think, we, I think we've touched most of the ones, the, the points of it all. So, Nabil, anything for you? No, I think it's it's a... It's it's a different kind of film, but I feel Raul like Julia if you're watching it, I get it. I know, I get yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, to watch Raul Julia as a young actor in that sense, and that's probably the biggest highlight of this movie. And I don't think that's necessarily what Francis Ford Coppola is trying to get out of it. <laughs> so um, I don't know if that's going to make it sell it to watch it. But um, even if you are watching it for the first time, like a lot of the stuff that you see, unless you can really appreciate his art style, you're you're going to say, well, this other movie did it better, and like you know, a decade ago or so. So yeah. there's there are better options um, than this particular film to to see uh, the techniques that he've kind of implemented from it. Yeah, yeah. I think if anything, if if you're interested in watching Raul Julia, you know, a young peak Raul Julia, you know, yeah. dance his freaking feet off and seduce you through the screen, then and I, I'd say that's that's probably one of the things that really stuck out for me and his performance. You know, for such a small part, he really. Uh, he he really did an excellent job, and in, in, in my opinion, you know, carried the film. So that being said, uh, let's uh, start with you, James. What do you rate this movie on a scale of five stars? I give this one two stars. All right, seems pretty fair. And I bought it, so I always <laughs> you always fucking Forever. buy them too. The bill. What do you what do you rate this movie? I too uh, gave it two stars. I hit my knee when you say that. So two stars. All right, <laughs> man. I almost gave it one and a half, but talking about it and and really emphasizing how good Raul Julia was in in this movie and really talking about like the the innovations that uh, Coppola five brought to stars, this. baby, all the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> six stars, baby. My whole body a weapon, baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, I I stick with the two stars. Also, I think if anything, to see the 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 style, even though the story is man, even though the characters are pieces of shit, um, it's interesting to see like how like what Coppola was was doing with this film, even though it's like a much smaller scale than Apocalypse Now. And again, fucking oh, yeah. Julia, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think it, if you're if you're 
it's interesting to watch it with uh, with the way that we're going through it as well. Yeah, I think it helps. It, like we're like I think it, it does too. Critical. I don't know like, if I'd appreciate the film as much if if we. There's didn't no way it. I would. No. I would have been like, who the fuck made this? If I didn't know, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, yeah no, I, I was, think it's, I was, it's helped. So I watched it with my brother, and he'd never heard or seen this movie either. And we were just like, kind of like, wow, this is kind of weird that Coppola did this movie, but. Still, I mean, glad we did it and that we were able to put another Coppola movie under our belt. So, yeah, I think it's telling um, just just through this process for for any of the listeners that have really been following through with us on on these films, just just to see where he was in his life, you know, what he's accomplished so far and how he's grown from it and getting to this point where for like James was saying, he was really trying to focus on a small film. It ended up being a bigger film than he maybe fully intended, but he has a credibility to get away with that because he is at this point a big name director. Um, but kind of seeing now, especially where we're falling off from, you know, the highs of the Godfather. Uh, well, in this case, it's the, the first and a sequel, and then Apocalypse Now, and now kind of going mm-hmm. into this '80s era, of, you know, funky films that he does. Um, you'll we can we can really get a sense of like why he's gone the way he's gone and what has. <laughs> what trouble he's gone through his life. So I think as we continue through this and see some more of the films, um, it, it's just a really good way to get an insight of what the director's been going through from a, from an artistic standpoint. It's very you know, interesting, Nabil, though. I, yeah. I just checked in on, on those listeners you were talking about, and they, they just canceled us. They said, fuck this movie. <laughs> I mean, for the so sound of it, it's gone. just Marco's brother. Just and maybe <laughs> your wife. <laughs> That's it. Janelle's not yeah. watching this shit with me. I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, <laughs> he does have a bit of resurgence in the 90s, though. So yes, yeah, yes. absolutely. And I think that's why he's stayed even relevant today, like to a point. So it's one of the goods. So this is, I mean, I was just saying, this has been. I, I'm really enjoying doing this stuff, by the way. Agreed. Taking a slice. Yeah. I'm glad we chose Coppola too, because it's become relevant recently as well as we talked about. It's just one of those things too. Just seeing and how it's changed, and it's interesting. So. And he's not a director that many people have covered too. I mean, most people would have done like Spielberg or something, you know. And yeah, he went off and did Francis Ford Coppola. The great, the great Frank, you know, my friend. Because we're so oh, close to him. Chill, George. Yeah, we're so goddamn close to him. We just, we just, <laughs> we're waiting to bump into him at Costco. Literally, yep. yeah, it's gonna happen, guys. Uh, sir, I just wanted. Oh, okay. He said, "Fuck you." Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on now to our review of Nope. What if I told you that today you'll leave here? different. Pops. Pops! I'm talking to you. Bro, what'd you see? Something above the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Right here, you are gonna witness an absolute spectacle. So what happens next? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. Run, okay! Run! Nope. Sitting currently at a, as Marco would say, whopping 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, it's a uh, film about two siblings who run a California horse ranch 
they discover something wonderful and sinister in the skies above, and the owner of an adjacent theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. This is directed by Jordan Peele, who has also done uh, Get Out in 2017 and Us in 2019. It's also written by Jordan Peele. This film came out in theaters on July 22nd. This is starring Daniel Kaluuya as O.J. Haywood, Kiki Palmer as Emerald Haywood, Brandon Perea as Angel Torres, Michael Wincott as Antlers Holst, Steven Yen as Ricky Jupe Park. All right. So, guys, James, what did you actually think about this film? Give us, like, your overall thought of just... We're not going to go to spoiler territory yet. We will get to the end and go there, but we'll just kind of yeah. give a general sense of what we thought about the movie right now. I enjoyed it for the most part. It was um, a fun movie experience. I, I like Jordan Peele. The last two movies have been really good. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we actually we did record episodes for us, and then Get Out came out right before we started the podcast. So Yeah. And we all knew that on top of their head. We didn't have to even look that up. So nope. that's how good we are. <laughs> Um, I liked it. It had an interesting premise. I think it runs a little too long. I think this was two hours and 20 minutes long. Um, it probably would have benefited by cutting that down a bit, but I get it. They're trying to build up some, uh, some character arcs and such like that. But I, the cast was cool. Um, knowing how the film went, do you think that, you know, the plot actually worked for you or did you feel? Yeah, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Some people were confused apparently, but really, yeah. (laughs) Especially my theater. I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, okay. But um, no, I liked it for the most part. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was fun. It was, uh, but I like I did, I think it runs a little too long. So, yeah. Marco, thoughts on the plot and the story? Anything? Uh, any thoughts on everything? Uh, I, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it. it I think it, it is straightforward to a point, but I think it's it's also layered in a, in a way. I, Jordan Peele he has a way of just sort of like making things look like, you know, it's at face value, but it's not. Um, I do agree with James that it does feel a bit too long. I think that has to do a lot with the beginning. I That's that's some of the critique I've heard of the movies. Like the first like 40 minutes to an hour is, is kind of slow because you yeah. are, you know, getting to know these characters and Jordan Peele really wants to give like these characters narc and he's setting up a lot of stuff. But I th- I think that it does pay off in, in the end as far as all the things uh, that he sets up at the beginning. So it is kind of w- worth it at the end. And I have warned some people that are you know going to see this movie like, hey, it's it's uh, got a slow start, but then once it picks up, it like it really goes off and and uh, really makes it for for quite the experience. I I liked um you know the the performances I thought were were really good. I I. Really like the cast. I think Jordan Peele is good at uh, picking actors for for his films. There's, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, of course. I mean, he's fucking awesome. I'll see him he's in fucking the, anything, man. Kiki he's Palmer, got long stare eyes, you know, just yeah, never ending. Yeah, uh, Kiki Palmer is a very eccentric emerald. She's she nailed her character like spot on. Uh, I've I've come to know some people you know that that are kind of like her. They're just very <laughs> energetic, and uh, uh, she's got this showmanship to her and stuff, and and um, got the swag. Uh, Brandon Perea, I think, did also really good. I, he had a much bigger part than I thought he would. So, and yeah, of course, my uh, he's my favorite character. 
Michael Wincott, I think, was my favorite because, I mean, he's the villain from the fucking Crows, sir. So uh, <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I didn't see this fool in a long time. So uh, he was a nice little surprise. Uh, Steven Yuen, it's it's good to see him continuing his his film career and stuff. Um, very minor supporting role, but I think it was very um, informative for the film. So yeah, we still saw more man. of him. To be honest, yeah. yeah. What what, did, what about you, Nabil? What what do you think? Tell me your thoughts. A lot of the same thoughts, brain. you know. Yeah, I think it started started a little slow, but I do, you know, as a trend from his other two films. That opening scene, it he he kind of has like um, I heard like on a, a another review of this film I read um, that they kind of called out that Jordan Peele has uh, two openings, two beginnings of a film. You have the in this case like the setup that they have, and I won't reveal it until we go into spoilers. But there's kind of this like one setup of a scene which is very eerie and scary, and you don't know what's going on. Um, Birthday, and then all of a sudden you go right, and then all of a sudden you go into the characters, and you're like. Here's the actual opening of the scene. So he has like these two setups, and they all pay off at the end. But it's it's a very uh, kind of his signature right now that we're seeing in his films. Bill, that's called filmmaking. <laughs> not in every film. Do this. Not every not every director <laughs> does it that way. Um, yeah, I, I think the acting was great. I think the plot was interesting. Um, definitely a bit of a fake out, but honestly, about thirty minutes into the film, you start realizing, huh? Okay, there's a lot more. Uh, he he does get. I won't say too heavy-handed, but he there's a sense there's definitely a theme you start noticing about um, animals and and um, just the sense of working with them and the sense of Hollywood and things like that, and you kind of uh, get that picture put together really quickly near about halfway through the film, which which uh, is a very interesting take. You know, he's he's not overly preaching something in this film or trying to make a comment on on anything more specifically than you think he emphasized um, it more in, in this one because you know in in the in the past, people were kind of like, oh, what was he trying to say exactly? Dude, I still had people in my that didn't understand this movie, so. Mm. <sighs> I mean, you know, some people just, they don't get it. They were like, there was a ton of plot holes. I was like, do we see the same movie? <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, the message of the film. There's This film very much is has a message about spectacle and exploitation. Um, there's there's a lot of themes about animal use and kind of the whole predator prey and taming something that's wild. Uh, James, what you know, you obviously kind of got that picture pretty quickly into the film. What yeah. what are your thoughts on what that message that he's trying to portray is? I uh, I mean, I'll jump into it a little bit more. Spoiler: This probably should have been spoilers, but um, yeah, there's a big thing on spectacle and exploitation in this film. That's like one of the main themes of it that Jordan Peele was talking about. It's kind of like it kind of has everything to do with Ricky, right? In a way, yeah. Just like as a prime example, because Ricky, mm-hmm. without revealing it, survives an ordeal when he's very young, where he feels like it's almost traumatized him. But in a way, it's oh man, he's there's trying so much to take to control of it. This. It feels like he, he thinks, can control he knows- that trauma. He he thinks he can because he thinks he has a connection with this thing that happened. So later on, mm-hmm. when there's no spoiler here, when the alien ship, right? Because it, it's in the know, trailers. Yeah. yeah, it's in the trailers. He thinks he could. He thinks he has some kind of strange connection with this, and like it's not dangerous. It's just part of a spectacle. This is how. That's how he's been living his life. Is like through a lie, you know. Like oh, you know, he lives. He lives through a pretty horrific event, you know, and it even coincides with. OJ talking about like what's the is there such thing as a bad miracle right 
And right. in a way, Ricky, it's in. I think it's in the trailer too. That there's a shoe that's like standing upright, and it's yeah. never explained. Yeah. But it's it's something that he uses as his own spectacle later on, and even showcases mm-hmm. and exploits it to as a memory of a horrific event. And I think that's it, like Ricky's pretty fucked up if you think about it, really. And it, it's kind of like one of those things. Like they do a pretty yeah. big. Job of that, but on the flip side, OJ is like he understands how animals and creatures work, and he's things that remind him of that is he has a lot more respect toward it. And it's kind of like it's kind of like the balance between the two, you know. Like OJ yeah. is going through a tough time; he doesn't want to get rid of his horses, and because things happen, and he understands the concept of it all. While Ricky has more of a showman's look at it, and like, how can I make money off this? And yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, don't spectrum, get me wrong. They're so. trying to fucking film it too to get famous, right? Or right, get money. But they're they're in return. At least OJ is trying to get the money just to get his horses back and shit. So yeah, that's kind of yeah. how I read it. I don't know if that's correct or not, though. No, I think that's that's pretty. Uh, Without insider. spoiling it, by the way, I'm trying insightful. to fucking. I'm like fucking tiptoeing, right. around. dancing around a little bit here. I'm like, what about you, like uh, Marco? Um, any thoughts on the message that Jordan Peele is trying to portray in, in this film? Uh, pr- pretty much in, in agreement with James in regards to spectacle in regards how one one side of the audience respects that the other side really doesn't it, 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 there's a way to do it to where um, you you can um, a, a, approach showmanship in a respectable way without exploitation and without in a sense chewing things up and spitting them back out see what I did there you'll understand that when we get the spoilers but it's also about like the 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 industry itself and almost like uh pointing a finger at Hollywood and how it uh it it eats you up and chews you up and spits you back out what's left of you and stuff to to a point uh Juppé is almost um Ricky Juppé is almost like an example of that to where he went through a traumatic event and you know he you know is still you know, he gets chewed up and spit back out and he, you know, there, there is nothing that really um, helps him get over that trauma. And so he continues this trend of doing that you know, throughout, throughout the film. I think that um, it points out our, our obsession with spectacle, whether it's good, whether it's bad. I mean, how many times, I mean, I'm guilty of it myself. I see a, a video trending or, or something about an event that happened, whether it's a happy event or a hor- horrific events. Like we we can't help but want to watch. And there's this obsession going around with looking at something and watching it. And that's when you know something gets you is when you look at it. You know, and um, if you don't look at something, it won't get you. You know, and it's almost like if you don't open that video, you know, it won't really like traumatize you or it won't really like get you. And it's it's an interesting theme like it's a that's why i feel like it's like a multi-layered theme it's almost straightforward but i think that's why he throws it at you so hard to build because it's interpret you can interpret it in so many different ways it's such such a simple concept that you can just kind of open up and like pick at it you know what i mean so it, it worked for me and it just it, as simple as it was and straightforward it still left me thinking like days after seeing it i saw it uh saturday afternoon with um with my family and uh we we're all just like the whole car at home just like talking about it even still like talking about it today so i i th- i think that you know as still as, as um 
as obvious as it is, I think it still warrants like deeper conversations and it worked for me. Yeah. I, I agree with a lot of the points you guys have made. Um, and I would say, you know, just from, uh, a, a uh, exploitation standpoint that, you know, the, one of the things in the trailer, they talk about like, they want to get the Oprah shot. Like that in itself is a sense of what, uh, I think he tries to portray in the sense of like how everybody, mm-hmm. even with the good intentions, like, like James is saying with like OJ having kind of good intentions per se, um, there is still a sense of fame there. Like there's a, there's a, a, some kind of drive or hunger frame. I mean, even as we do this podcast, you know, we want people to listen to us. If you have something to say, like, that's just the nature of society. Um, whether it's something that is helpful or not, or there's mm-hmm. benefits to other people, um, things today it's really like the only way to to do something is by getting yourself out there and the only real way to get yourself out there sometimes is to exploit something or make a make something a, a big uh, ornate spectacle and and make people you know interested in it to, to really garner those views and get those numbers up and get the attention of oprah or someone like that um to be able to say that hey Look what I got here, and it's not. And and a lot of people will judge it and say that's fake. It's not real. So you've got to get the the something very um, unique and concrete. Because how many times have we seen something that seems super cool, super interesting? Like, oh my god, can't believe this is what this person does, or whatever. And then you know, a couple of weeks later, somebody debunks it all and says actually they did this, and it's all stripped away. And you're like, oh, this guy's you know gave me this for nothing, and and now it's it that. 15 minutes of fame is gone. So I think that is a I very big duped. comment. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, any scenes that I, I know we don't want to spoil anything specific, but was there anything that unique that kind of came out from, from, uh, you know, he, he's obviously a really technical director to an extent um, as well. Do we, did, James, was there anything that really stood out from a scene, maybe a shot or just something that he portrayed on, on screen or. Yeah, like there's that? a couple. This is the first one shooting it all in IMAX too, by the way. So it was, it's pretty cool. They have some IMAX scenes in there. So, yeah. um, and they make a IMAX rig, which makes no sense at all. That's not <laughs> possible. Um, there's a lot of the scenes with the ship, I guess, and Product when they're running machines. away. I would say it's really well done. Yeah, uh, I liked a lot of those. You can tell this is a movie though, because there's a fries that's open with a stock of shit in there. So I was like, that's not real. <laughs> so that was they, such a long time. Yeah, apparently, like, fuck, yeah, fuck is this bullshit? Apparently it was filmed right before Fries went completely out of business. I think like during production is when it like went out of business, which is funny. I can tell there's no customers in that store other than those two. Right. Because, you know, what did they give them? Like a sandwich and a high five to let them film there? (laughs) I know we were the only customers at the one in uh, Concord. (laughs) Um, That was really cool. And then... um, then uh, just the the shot the sh- the long shots of that were really cool. Whenever they were trying to trap the alien ship and try to um, get like a shot of it, I think that was cool. It was a really re- unique uh, ways to try to like get its attention and shit like that. And without, I mean, we'll go into more obviously, but um, yeah. and then Emerald does the Akira slide, which is cool. So, yeah. um, the motorcycle. And Marco, what about anything that do you feel like didn't work for you here? Something that um, you, you'd want to mention that won't be too spoilery. Something that didn't work for me. Um, not necessarily that didn't work for me, but there was a scene, and I'm going to be very vague in how I talk about it because I don't want to spoil it because it's kind of a spoiler. 
it has to do with Jupe's memory and how I feel like there was a point where uh, Jordan Peele doesn't feel like a director that holds back or that, you know, wouldn't like or would pull his punches. And I feel like he kind of like I get it. Like it's 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 a it's quite the scene. And I just feel like he kind of did like pulls punches in it. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I mean, it's it's a it's a very jarring scene still, but I'm just like, mm, probably could have done a little bit more. Um there really wasn't much other than the slow intro that uh, didn't really work for me. Like I get trying to um, build up your characters and, and you know getting getting us you know used to the characters, but um, so, some scenes just kind of seem to linger you know a little too much. Um, but real quick. Um, I, I do agree with James as far as what like what did work uh, that uh, that accurate slide was fucking fire. Yeah, um, there cool. there were he a couple was attached things like, to do Akira originally, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and he did do his motorcycle slide. There's a there are a couple things also that did work for me, but it's also spoiler territory, and I'll get into that. One of them like takes place during the rain, and it's just like really good fucking shot and really good fucking scene. But um, yeah, not that much that didn't work for me. Truthfully, if I'm thinking about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, I think that we have talked enough about this film that we should go into some spoiler details and uh, bring up some of that information. But before we do, let's uh, see what our star rating is and what do you, if you'd recommend this film. I'll start with you, Marco. Um, how many stars would you give this movie? I'll give this one four stars. I think that it's it's still very original in in and in, in what it's. Um, saying also in the way that it's done it draws a lot of inspiration from i mean popular movies popular cinema but the way jordan peele uses them i think is very unique and also like a nice way to um bait and switch it a little bit and i mean still solid writing i mean to me i think that he knows how to write dialogue he knows how to write a story so yeah Solid, solid four stars for me. And James, what was your rating? I gave this four stars as well. Thought it was an entertaining film. All right. Uh, I too gave it four stars. I think for the most part, I agree with a lot of things you guys have mentioned on here. Um, and honestly, it's it's it was quite enjoyable. There, there are some things that kind of lingered in the film itself that probably could have been tightened a bit, but we did. Mm-hmm. Kind of understand that he's he, Jordan Peele's focusing on character development and wanted to give as much time as he could to some of those characters that we had in the film. But um, with that said, before we jump into spoiler section, if you haven't seen the film yet, we recommend that you do pause, go watch it, come back, listen to the rest of our thoughts. We'll go into a little bit more detail then. If not, you can go ahead and skip forward a little bit and listen to how you can get in contact with us. Give us some of your feedback. Um, and we'll also let you know what we're going to be watching next. All right. So we're going to jump into spoilers next. Uh, so let's just talk about the big reveal. Uh, the alien spaceship was in fact not an alien. Kind of. It's it's some kind of monster in the sky. It, it, kaiju, the ship though. was the fucking alien or the, the monster, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's, kaiju. it's a kaiju. Yeah. yeah. Kaiju, yeah. basically, yeah. 
His name was Jean it's Jacket. A floating jellyfish. I was waiting for Godzilla to roll up and be like, let's go, Mothra. <laughs> Very interesting twist. I think that it's... Uh, when it it definitely changes the dynamic of the film once you once you go from like oh it's an alien in the sky to be like it's some kind of creature up there that's just always has been there it it may and then and even like with the sense of uh OJ and his his uh attempts at like okay there's a different way to handle this kind of uh creature and goes through it as a predator and prey situation i think it really started changing the whole meaning of everything was going on and and that for me started to say okay everything's starting to click on why you're leaning on to um what what um ricky was doing and what his focus was with trying to tame tame it and um what oj was trying to do just to make sure that he could um you know not get eaten by it what was your kind of oh sorry yeah, I was going to ask you, Marco, what were your thoughts on, on just that big review and how that kind of shaped your, your viewpoint of the movie from that point on? Uh, just that it, it fit along the lines of what James was saying earlier, where OJ respected it. You know, the, although, yeah, they wanted to record and everything, he respected its nature, whereas uh, Juppé, because of his trauma from surviving the Gordy attack and, and thinking that he could have a connection with it and everything, exploited it too, and thus continuing the cycle of that toxicity and and saying oh I, you know i got exploited too i'm gonna exploit this motherfucker and oj because he respected the craft of animal wrangling and 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 working with the animals and not using them to an extremity he was able to um basically uh now not necessarily outsmart jean jacket but at least go toe-to-toe with it and understand it a little bit little bit better so um Mm. yeah how about you james um that changed your viewpoint on the film as you once you got that reveal for yourself no not really did it add anything more as far as the characters their motivations or anything you kind of felt still in line of what you were it it made more sense of like why it was eating things if anything does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah is that the? I was just like, are they trying to take stuff, or is like, is like, but then I mean, it, it rolls with the story and it, it it connects pretty well. I think so for the most part. I, I I like the fact that they were like, oh, it is the alien, and I was like, oh, that's that's a cool concept. So yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. Um, change change of uh, twist that he was putting in over there. That it was yeah. a a better reveal than it just being a, a ends up being just a sci fi thing, a creature we don't understand. Yeah, you know, it's it's more. Just like, oh, it's just how, how an animal behaves. Um, speaking of animals, we do have a, a flashback that kind of gets intercutted in between this film. That's part of the opening sequence we're talking about, which is Gordy the Ape, where um, Ricky, Juppé's uh, character, was uh, actually in a TV show, a hit 90s TV sitcom series um, that starred Gordy the Ape. It was living a part of the family, kind of any other weird trope that they had back then. But... Something triggers the ape, and it goes wrong, and essentially, um, the ape ends up um, hurting and killing a lot of people um, that was a part of that set, and um, there's a lot of imagery used in that film. It's probably the more horror aspects of the movie, uh, in a lot of aspects. It's telling more than it's really showing, and you can feel creeped out about it, um, so very much a Jordan Peele signature in there but at the same time um i think it's also trying to kind of 
indirectly until you kind of get to the end more directly um, sh- illustrate what he's trying to show about the predator and taming animals. And again, like we talked about spectacle and expo- exploitation of what they were doing in Hollywood with, you know, trying to tame an animal, um, which they don't even really use real live apes anymore um, for quite some time. So I say all that to go and say that, you know, there's obviously a big message there, but I feel James that you may not have felt that there was really it wasn't really selling the point that he was trying to maybe portray having this kind of Gordy the Ape character and his side story for Ricky in this film. I think, I mean, it's up to your interpretation, obviously. Like, we touched bases on it, too. But, um, yeah, they do. I, I, I actually like the scene for the most part. Yeah. Good sound mixing on there, too. You can literally hear him eating the girl's face. Um, <laughs> it's creepy, yeah. And it's also like a... It's kind of shadowing that's going to happen later. Like the balloon pops, right? So yeah. balloon pops are what trigger Gordy. And eventually they kill this alien with a balloon. So That's little that's true. Connection. You know, I didn't even connect that together. But yeah. That's yeah, I didn't either, actually. Yeah. That's from Mikey. I'm not going to take credit for The balloon that. of oh. Juppé. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ironic. Boom. Yep. Yeah. So. And it pops in him. Any any kind of thoughts on um, kind like of Dupe's? Yeah, like does Gordy like just snap out of it at the end? He's like, "Fuck, what happened?" Right? Because like he's an animal. They just they can go a wild animal from any second can be like, "Oh, this is this," and then whoops, why is she not alive? And then like his fist bump is his thing with Dupe that they do, you know? And it's like, "Hey, like peace be with you too." And then like he just gets blasted. Apparently, and I read this yeah. on IMDb. The um, and I, I gotta watch this to catch this, but he, the Gordy sign languaged what happened to family. Yeah, mm. yeah. He says, "Hey, what oh, happens?" Yeah. yeah. No, no. I yeah. I picked up on that too, because I even I even told Mikey that actually. Now I'm I'm just revealing that I went on a date Damn. with Mikey again. So um, Holy yeah, hands. he's like, "What happened?" Because he's like, he doesn't understand what's going on, you know. So yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why he gives him the fist bump, and then you know the police, whoever the fuck it is. Goddamn yeah, studio, I think that studio sniper came in. Like, what I mean, it took a while. It? Shit. I mean, it, took, it seems like it took a good like five, six minutes before somebody came out there. But monkeys are strong, man. People don't understand. Yeah. Those apes, man, they can crush your fucking hand. Yeah. I'm not going to have one eat my face, though. I'll tell you right now, I'll rip that fucking monkey's throat out. But that's just me. <laughs> He's like, I ain't no bitch. Though. But I'm also not a 14 year old girl that weighs a buck 10 or some I shit. Know. So, any thoughts on your part, Marco? Just in that the whole Gordy Day sequence and um, or or how it influenced your interpretation of the film once you've kind of gotten a full fledged picture of what was going on. It was it was pretty fucking you know traumatic, man. That that whole fucking scene like it was it's pretty dark. Although like I was surprised that uh, Jordan Peele didn't show more. Maybe out of respect, I don't know. But uh, I, I was surprised he held back. I thought he was gonna go like fully show i was like oh here's i i want to like, say is this gonna be i wanted quote, to comment unquote, on that shot? it's because you're mm-hmm. seeing it all from chupe's point of view and he's under the table right yeah. so that's why so you don't see it you that. just hear the things and i think truthfully you get a lot more by not showing it all i think by I hearing it and the sounds and the crunching like it it builds more of a horror kind of thing in your head i think so yeah, yeah i think it's that's even more scarier when gordy's just right there and it's a it's it's an like a uh a different take on uh, Jordan Peele's classic shot of, you know, someone looking in the camera and this time it's Gordy and it's, it's, it's fucking creepy when he's just looking right, right at you at the camera. Um, and I think it goes again with the theme of 
the whole spectacle thing, you know, and how like, uh, you know, they can be scary or they can be traumatic and they could be at the same time, you know, opportunities. Obviously it, it led, uh, Juppé down the path that he was on and, in and eventually him not being able to stop being obsessed with spectacles, what was his undoing and his misunderstanding of it is what led him to get eaten alive by fucking, uh, Ryan, would you have trusted jacket? Cordy Nibble? No, I'm no, I've, I've seen Congo. I'd like, get yeah. the fuck away I'm from not, me, Amy. Yeah. Amy, love. I mean, but I mean, he was too scared <laughs> not got, to fist taco meat coming out of his shirt right now. Cordy would have eaten you alive. <laughs> Damn, I want to tell everybody, Nabil's wearing a very deep V-neck today. <laughs> it goes all the way to the crotch. Not yeah. gonna lie. It's very Borat-like. I think he's wearing a bikini, though. Stops right at the belly button, guys. <laughs> you can hear the, you can see the hair all the way down. <laughs> you can put treats in there. <laughs> Sorry. I'm seeing a spectacle right now, guys. Yeah, I'm seeing something I want to exploit a little bit. <laughs> oh, shit. That's uh, Nabil the gorilla. That's no gorilla, boy. That's, no that's a man. He killed everybody. Yeah, that's called a serial killer now. He's got rights. Don't look at his eyes. Holy fuck me. So, anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, oh, so speaking of all that, Marco, you had mentioned um, you had some other scenes that you found were quite memorable, like one of the rain scene in in the film. You want to elaborate a bit more on what your thoughts were on, on that shot and, and the setting? Uh, it's when the alien creature is, is above the house and it's raining and it starts like dropping blood and all the shit it can't digest onto the house and trying to lure Emerald and, and Angel out of there. I thought that was fucking very creepy and menacing and reminiscent of other like horror movies like you think the shining you think carrie like name any fucking horror movie that uses blood but it was a nice it's a it's a nice original take on that that is creepy and is even more creepier when you realize that the creature is essentially sentient and you know hunting them and yeah it's like damn it's like throwing up blood it's like fuck I just recently saw Batman Returns, and I'm thinking of uh, the penguin and the, the the green blood coming out, and it made me think of that. I don't know why, but <laughs> oh. <laughs> just <laughs> penguins grab him into the water. <laughs> anyway, there's that, yeah. and uh, the scene when the 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 creature sucks up uh, Juppé and everyone, and you see them inside, and you're not really realizing what it is until you find out that the creature is eating them, and they're being digested alive. And that is fucking creepy. That's pretty just creepy. Yeah. The you know you see the material that it's made out of, or you even hear the, the fact screams, that, and then you don't. Yeah, yeah, they can even hear them above them. Remember, they can still hear yeah. them screaming. Yeah, you can hear. And you, yeah, and you come to realize what those screams mean. It's like, oh, they're they're inside a sarlacc pit, basically, and being digested yeah. alive. Only <laughs> I not thought for the same, years. dude. As soon as I saw that, I was like, <laughs> either there's a big ass creature inside, or I was like, what yeah. the fuck is that then? Or they right? take energy somehow from that. And then they're like, it's the creature. And I was like, is that the great Sarlacc of Tatooine? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or even um, we, we thought, you know, kaiju of, is a proper term for, for the creature. But it also like. Especially there was in a second a, form, I guess. Yeah, there was a yeah, yeah. That second form. It, it, it's almost like a fucking dark take on uh, um, 
God, uh, Flight of the Navigator, where that ship can can form and change forms. It's like a creepier version of that. But uh, there, there's a, a biblical scripture at the beginning of the movie that talks about like, and I'll make a spectacle of you and shit like that, and it's taken from like the First Testament or something. I read somewhere that the second the, the the secondary like look of the the creature is almost like a uh, the biblical version of well, how angels are described in the Bible, which is kind of like oh that's kind of weird. Just that they're, I don't know they're, what sci-fi Bible these fuckers are reading, but <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. no, yeah, that they're look uh, like men, yeah. <laughs> but apparently, that's like what uh, like anime is like, uh, Evangelion, Neon Genesis, yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah that's that, what that they were inspired from and shit. Yeah, yeah. so it's yeah. just kind of like very different. It's very like, clam and I guess, shell. It looks like a sand dollar in the beginning, actually. If you look at it, yeah, he was uh, kind of, yeah. yeah Jordan Peele was very inspired by sea life when he was thinking of the creature, and I thought that was very like, original. Because then so. it almost looks like a jellyfish. Yeah, like a fucking or a man. I don't know if you guys know what a man of war looks like, but it looks like that too. Yeah, yeah. So, so even the way it goes through the sky is almost like it's like swimming in water. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, crazy. What are, what about you, James? Any any other scenes really stuck out to you, or any other thoughts on on the plots itself? Uh, I think we hit them all for the most part. Like I said, um, I have no idea how the fuck OJ survived by the end. By the way, neither did I. I'm I was just gonna surprised. bring that up. Like, like I felt like I that was the it. Hollywood ending. Like I was like, dude, you died. There's no way you fucking. Do you died. think it's up to interpretation? Because he doesn't have really any interactions with her. It's he's just nice. sort of there. He's no, he was there. He I mean, alive. I felt it. Opinion, yeah. I felt it. I I like the scene where Jupiter's trying to show him, like, oh, this is it, and then it's just really weird. They advertise this film so strange, like they were selling ices with the nope themes on them, because there's ices in the movie, and I was like, kind really? of a dark take if you think about it, right? That's funny. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh, that's why they have the themed icy cups outside, and I was like, where they get fucking murdered. That's hilarious. So, and then, you know, just the fries here just really bothered me the whole time. Entire movie. Yeah. It's like, couldn't afford Best Buy, huh? Hey, you know, I appreciated seeing fries out there. Yeah, like Very I said, they probably LA showed too. up. They probably just shot and didn't even ask for permission. Who was going to stop them? Those, all those employees. <laughs> they probably rented the whole building. <laughs> they said, hey, it's already closed down. They said, hey, let's just use No, they probably showed up and like, sir, sir. And then they were like, oh, wait, hold on. They're filming something. Let's just let them know they're seen first. <laughs> Even at the nighttime scene, they were just there for the closing time. Sir, you don't work here. Who are you? Can I just pretend to be on the computer for like 10 minutes? Oh. <laughs> I mean, he really was just on, on for 10 minutes. I, I mean, shout out to the guy who played Angel. I thought he was fucking hilarious, so. He was. He's even smart enough to wrap himself in the fucking um, tarp at the end. Mm-hmm. With barbed wire. But also committing federal crimes by illegally spying on people. But it's great, you know. He was funny, also He was like, he was the comedic relief, which is funny because like, I feel like Kiki Palmer was kind of supposed to be a little bit more of that, but she's, I don't even know if, here's the thing, I'll say that, I might cut it out, I don't know, maybe I'll keep it, I don't even feel like Emerald grows as a character by the end, though, that's my one big issue, I feel I like she's the same she person. I think, I, like, I like Kiki Palmer, I liked what she did in this film, Um, I hadn't really seen a lot of things she's done before, so I thought she was very interesting, and, and like, I liked her flamboyance, and like, very out there. But yeah, as far as like character development is concerned, I don't think there was a lot of growth. I mean, she stayed to get the the, the money shot so she could, you know, be famous. So and that's basically what she and yeah, she stayed there with her brother, stayed with the family, and whatever. But I feel like I, there was she, an epilogue. You would find out that like 
she leaves or something like okay well oh yeah time. i mean she's like, well, this kinda, be done with this place to, right to a point she she kind of takes the the uh the uh critique that her brother says on her where she doesn't really like respect or take anything serious and she kind of learns that and, and and uses that in order to defeat the alien the the creature alien whatever you want to call it at the end and it, it, i think she's almost it, forced into that situation though well, True, yeah. but were were yeah. it not for him, like kind of warning her, like, "Hey, you gotta, you know, take shit seriously and not just kind of take things as a joke." He's like, "Hey, be a little less Kiki Palmer." He's like, "What?" He's like, "What?" Just stared <laughs> at each other. He's like, "Are we breaking the fourth wall?" Right? right, yeah. So that that is our review of Nope. All right, guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for feedback, response, reviews. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MoviePalsPod. Make a spectacle out of us. I'm just kidding. Also, if you use Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music, that's right, we're on all those, smash that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. If this is your first time listening to us, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Did another double feature for you. Continue the Coppola Corner. You can go back and listen to some of our earlier episodes reviewing Coppola's films. Stick around and you'll never miss another episode after that. Stay tuned for our next episode, episode 131. We're going to be doing another double feature. Uh, continue Coppola Corner with The Outsiders, the complete novel, which was the newer version that released. Mm-hmm. Followed by a review of the prequel Predators movie, Prey. Until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. <laughs>